0: Welcome to this VA Life podcast episode with me, Charlotte Wibberley of VIPVA. Now I am here today with the wonderful Annabelle K of Coffee Clatch, who's been my long friend and collaborator when it comes to all things VA. Um, and we're going to be talking about the VA industry, rates, what's going on and general VA life. So welcome Annabelle, tell the guys a little bit about you and uh, yeah, how you're connected to the fabulous world of VAs.
1: Well, hi, not a lot of people know it but back in the 70s a long time ago mm-hmm. i could have been what would have led to a va yeah. and you know i came to your conference i talked to you about i was at Pittman's secretarial college and i learned yeah. my typing and shorthand and this was in the days when faxes hadn't been invented by the way so this was pre the technology that led to the va industry yeah. but the main reason i didn't was i got a job working for someone who did hr and employment law and i argued the hind leg off him and indeed a number of other people in the first few days of my employment and as a result of that they made me head of negotiating deals really and i never looked back but if i'd not been so argumentative i probably would have become a proper pa and then ultimately a va because my quest for freedom if you like was always very strong so i feel i'm a, a va missing or in action as it were um, I could have been one, but something went wrong and I took up arguing for a living.
0: You can be an honorary one, Annabelle, anyway.
1: I feel that way sometimes, <laughs> really. Um, obviously, the, the legal side of things has got a lot in common with the VA life anyway because to the traditional business models are selling time for money. And the traditional lawyer back in the 80s when I started my business charged an hourly and as VAs often do now. And of course one of the big problems you get is people not wanting to pay your rates people wanting to do it cheaper people wanting to get people at the other end of the world to do it cheaper all this is very familiar to both lawyers accountants by the way and vas it's the problem of a time-based revenue business isn't it and at the end of the day there are only so many hours in the day and whatever it is that you can charge as the maximum in your niche Times the maximum number of hours you can actually do some work is where your income peaks. Yes, yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. It's that old time for money trap.
1: Yeah, and it is a trap. And I mean, I've been doing time for money for, gosh, 39 years this summer, darling. Yes. Um, That's amazing it is really and i was talking to um sarah banks you know sarah of course not so long ago as i dropped past her home and um she said to me i've been in business longer than she's been born which kind of took me back a bit really but we all face the same struggles of maximizing value what do we do do we pay other people do we do it all ourselves do we rely on technology are we product to that extent all service sector businesses face the same problem And I would go further than that and say all service sector businesses that become dominated by women face the same problem. And that is that we don't charge enough for what we do.
0: No, and feel that sometimes as well, we can't enforce it. So there's that whole kind of, okay, well, I should be charging this, but actually, you know, I'll I'll just knock a bit off or actually they've paid me a bit late, I won't enforce my late payment terms, that sort of thing. There's that whole sort of trying to avoid conflict
1: sometimes, I think? It's very difficult because I think we've been taught that if we stand up for ourselves we might win the battle but we'll lose the war. I can remember my father, who was a great charmer in life, saying to me if you were only more pliable, more kind of giveable, you'd get further. But I did get a lot further but everyone kept stuffing me with a bill. It wasn't that I couldn't do more if I was more charming. It was that I couldn't make any money doing more by being more charming. And I think it's something VA suffer from because the majority of VA's I've worked with have been naturally very charming people. Yes, They want to please people. They want to make my life easier. They want to get stuff done. And they take those traits into negotiating rates, credit control, getting paid, and that becomes a problem.
0: I think you're right as supporters of business whether that's kind of the traditional PA stuff or website support or tech support whatever it is we I think VAs are often people pleasers they're used to saying yes and getting something done so when they have to be sort of um, more authoritative and say no, nope, this is the way it is they find that quite they can find it that, that quite difficult
1: The transition from employee to boss goes on in your heart and in your mind. It doesn't just go on in your tax code, really. And I think a lot of us thought when we set up our business, and I'm going back now to 1980, I thought calling myself the boss made myself the boss. But I carried on acting like an employee for about five years, by the way, from when I called myself boss. I just acted like an employee, and it took me five years to realise then it wasn't the labels that made the difference, it was the behaviours. Yes, absolutely.
0: You've got to believe it in the head and your heart. Um, and you have to believe it first, otherwise, nobody else is going to
1: believe it. And interestingly enough, given what we do for a living state, was five years in, guess what? We have for the very first time a set of written terms of business because we didn't want to offend anybody or embarrass anybody or even commit because we thought maybe we'd be more flexible you know we could do credit control under one regime on monday and another regime the next monday but of course it didn't work because we had different clients on different payment terms and different rates and different deals and nobody really knew who owed who what
0: Absolutely.
1: We, we confused flexibility and randomness yes
0: as you know, this is one of the, the bob bears that I have and we have here in the VA industry is that um, not everybody does have those kind of um, essentials in place their, for their businesses. They're not necessarily treating them like businesses. I was actually just before this podcast looking at the... Um, to date survey results for our survey um and i'm pleased that i think something like 93 percent of the people have said that they've actually got terms of business now in place with their clients okay that still leaves seven percent without but staggeringly there was st- only 50 57 sorry of um vas that have terms of businesses with their associate vas
1: yeah when we first started in Coffee Clutch working with VAs, and I mean you and I got together quite early in that, how long has that been, what, four or five years? I think
0: it was back in 2016 when I was
1: probably yeah. about six months into the Yeah, we, we kind of met quite early on. The first survey we ever did, it was less than 35% of VAs had terms of business. And we didn't even ask them what they were doing with their associates nice. you know because that was that was such a yeah. <laughs> a big like okay we got to fix that so i think 97 percent is absolutely brilliant yeah. um and obviously there's been a massive education piece done and i can remember va coaches who i won't name standing on national stages going you don't need a contract yeah. you don't need insurance and going whoops mm, yep you know that that attitude is very much gone I think we're still seeing maybe people who learned from that and copied that and didn't develop their own stuff still copying that which is always the problem we're working with people who copy because they copy stuff that's inevitably out of date don't they but we don't see that as a major force in the industry anymore and I think you know you and I amongst others have got a great deal to be proud of for bringing about that change
0: Absolutely. Well, it takes repetitive shouting, of not only about kind of the horror stories, but also about the positives of, of, you know, when the contracts and the terms of business have have really helped somebody to to solve a situation or they've relied on it to keep their business afloat. And we've done a lot of that over the last few years.
1: Yes, and it's been good to see. And of course, you never know what might have happened to VOs who didn't have them because the very fact of setting out your stall in writing and going, "This is the way I operate." discourages a lot of chances
0: mm.
1: you know they've got to find easier prey really
0: and I think sort of reflecting on those the people that currently don't have contracts in place or even just looking back to that 35% a few years back I think it used to be that whole thing of people would start a VA business, they didn't want to invest money because perhaps they didn't have it, they just wanted to get something off the ground quickly, so they wouldn't have those terms of businesses in place. Or they would be working with local contacts or friends or family and therefore they wouldn't believe that they need them in place. And I think sometimes that's the mistake that people can make.
1: Yeah, I think it's tricky. I mean, we've, we've got a free download on our website. We've got a blog post called Working With Friends and Family, by the way. So yeah. anyone who hasn't had it is welcome to have it. It's totally free. And if anyone who is on our mailing list knows us, if you get on our mailing list, we hardly have mail you anyway. So it's hardly a big commitment. We don't really have a lot of time to write to people except when it's something important. So, you know, we hardly bury anyone alive. But it's a big issue. Because you start working with friends, but the trouble is if you work with a client with no terms of business, you can lose a client. And that can be a shame and it can be a financial hit, but we all lose clients. You know, there is a pattern to client acquisition and replacement that goes with being in business. But losing a friend is something that is not part of business. And if you start falling out with a friend about who owes who money, who should have done what, when, you can lose a friendship. And I think that's more tragic than losing a client myself, because I've had hundreds, if not thousands, of clients over the decades, one way and another. But I haven't had hundreds, if not thousands, of friends. I don't feel I can afford to dump one every time something goes wrong. (laughs) It's
0: just being prepared for, um, well, it's it's, it's avoiding ambiguity, I think. Um, I, I often reflect, I tell a lot of people about the t- a talk that you did at of the office shows about backpacks, and carrying yeah. different terms in your different backpacks, and how that means different, you, you know, when I say to you it needs to be done urgently, that's going to mean something completely different to me than it means to you. So, your terms of business are just laying it out there, so there's no ambiguity.
1: Yes. And I think what I've learned since I did that talk, and thank you for remembering it, because, you know, I talk a lot and I think I don't always listen to what I'm saying, if the truth be known. But I was reflecting on this earlier with a coach that I've been working with on another area and saying the biggest benefit that my business gets from having turns of business is actually stopping me being random. Because there is an instinct, please, and anyone who's been at your conferences will know I lack it. I'm one of the Reds and VAs, the Normandy Yellows, but even meds don't want to definitely irritate people all the time. So there's, there's an instinct to go, let them have it. You know, let them have their own way. But the great thing about having my terms of business is I'm deciding yes or no. And I have to decide because there's a line in the sand that's drawn. And if i find that i'm going to my own terms too often and going well actually i don't agree with my own terms anymore that tells me that my business model has changed and i need to update them mm-hmm. but what it never tells me is i don't need any because those only five years of having flexibility our profitability rate and our payment rate and kind of receivables rate was the worst it's ever been because we didn't set clear expectations and we ourselves didn't follow them Mm. and i think one of the biggest differences that having written terms has made to our own business is being able to say well look is this what it says in the deal or not if it isn't what it says in the deal why aren't we following the deal now sometimes you're all going to make exceptions and go this is a major client i'm going to do this that and the other but you need to let the client know that it's not the way you normally work because otherwise, if they know that they can just do anything, guess what? They will just do anything, won't they? Give them
0: an inch.
1: Yeah, and it's it's never been more critical. I think. I mean, it was always important. It got really important as we started to get more legislation around what you have to contract for in order to be able to sue someone for not paying them. And I know it's a subject that VA is kind of flinch from. You know. <laughs> First of all, a lot of new VAs think everyone will pay them. And a lot of established VAs are kind of suck it up and don't get paid by people. The idea of filing an online mit and getting on with it is kind of an anathema to everything that vas want to be isn't it but the truth is from time to time you have to send a message don't you and for what it's worth i'm sending a message this friday it's the first threat i've had to issue in two and a half years there's been a lot of water under that financial bridge but i will do it because if i don't this client will think i can do whatever i want with this girl and she'll just whinge and that will be it and i don't run a business based on whinging i run a business based on doing what i said i would do my clients doing what they said they would do and then pay me as they said they would do so you can't get away from it but there is part of me even me with my bright red personality and i don't want to you know why do they have to make me be the horrible one but the answer is one of the many hats i wear as boss of my own business is i'm the horrible one I have to own that mole. I'm the one that says no further. I'm the one that says stop that now. Does this sound familiar to you in other areas of female life?
0: Oh my goodness, yes. It, yeah. And it is one of the biggest struggles that I have with the people that I work with is that when they have, when they feel that, it, unless they're around sending contracts out in the first place, but if they ever have to enforce something, whether that's... Um, a breaking of sort of personal boundaries or late payments or anything, they feel icky about it and they punish yeah.
1: themselves. So. And I think this has got parallels, and I don't want to make this too icky, but we've been through two years of hashtag me too, haven't we? And I've kind of added to that with hashtag GDPR me too, where people abuse our boundaries and we just go, Oh, well, but there's also a kind of hashtag credit control me too. Yeah. of you know I don't want to upset my client and I'm, I'm always saying to myself and to my own Coffee Clutch customers is you know they're not a client if they're not paying you and yes. I, don't, I don't know why you're calling them client um, because if they're not willing to pay you and they're not able to pay you why are you working for them because you know you're a lovely person but if you want to do stuff for charity get paid by your clients and then donate
0: yeah, and I think there can sometimes be a fear around, well, if I put my foot down and tell the that they need to do that, then they're going to sack me. And finding clients isn't always easy, or not all VAs find but finding clients is easy.
1: No, yeah, I think it's a legitimate fear. I mean, I've got that with this one I've got to issue a bit on you know but we had a long conversation about it and and we often do in our groups as you know and i've decided that teaching them that they can negotiate me backwards for payment terms and discounts on work already done is a very bad lesson it's a bit like and i was a very old-fashioned mum you know when you say to your kids you're going to bed in five minutes the worst thing you can do in five minutes time is say never mind you're going to bed in half an hour because what you've taught them is mummy doesn't mean what mummy says and if you do that repeatedly your children will never pay heed to a single thing you say now i don't mean you should beat them up or take a rod to them and go old school on them do you know what i mean but if you say to your children if you do this i'll do that you had better make sure you do that otherwise you'll have no control over them whatever it is you've said
0: absolutely
1: and similarly with rewards if you say to your child if you get a gold star at school i will take you to the movies take them to the movies never let them down because if your word is not your bond, you have no credibility. You have no power in this world. And the problem with saying to clients, you know, if you do this, I'll do that, and then going, but I can't do that, is they're always testing you like kids do. Does it really matter if I pay them late? Does it really matter if I dump a shitload of work on them on Friday and demand it all for Monday and then forget about it and don't even respond to questions about it till the following Friday? I bet there's people listening to this just
0: like this sound so familiar. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> when you have to make it really matter to them now you think because it matters to you emotionally it matters to them emotionally but have I got news for you it doesn't because it doesn't hurt them if your weekend is ruined this is why we invented the ever popular but much underused urgent work surcharge because we had clients who would dump stuff on us Friday we'd work all weekend and Monday we'd email it and go here it is and we get them out of the office for two weeks I was like I'll kill you You didn't need that by Monday at all so we invented the urgent website charge now it's good to have it in your terms but that doesn't hurt them unless you charge it and people go I couldn't do that that would upset my client but of course it would if it just comes out of thin air but if on Friday you email them straight back and you go you do know that this is not only going to charge extra because it's urgent but extra extra because it's over the weekend before I start I just want you to confirm that you will pay those rates 60% of your clients go, no, it's not that urgent, love. It can wait till Wednesday. You got your weekend back, right? 40% will go, well, that's a lot of money, but it really isn't urgent. I'll pay it. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but there is a sum for which most weekends I will do a few hours' work if you pay me enough.
0: Yes, there is, absolutely.
1: So as long as it's at that sum, I'm like, okay, I'm sorted. The mistake is going, sure, sure. And then you've taught them can i use this word on our podcast that you're their bitch
0: we just did
1: (laughs) and once you've taught someone that you will do anything they ask at no cost to them whatsoever you've lost your edge you've lost your girl boss now, you can complain about them, you can whinge about them to your girlfriends, but you will never get them to mind you. Now, you can go through a long process of gently hurting them enough to mind you, but not enough to leave you. Mm. I studied sort of torture as a minor art. Oh, you know, one has to recognise the function of pain and motivation. But it's much easier not to go there in the first place.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's what having terms like yours in place, it just... stuff and the yes it does not make me a terrible person to enforce what's in my contract but i think having that bit there might like, just takes away any of the, the fear around what you should be doing in those situations
1: absolutely and i think with va's are missing a trick many because i've got a business partner so and i always say for those of you who've encountered christopher that people love christopher but they pay me and that's because I credit control the clients he's given his heart and soul to to try and sort the most impossible problems because he finds shifting role from supporter to enforcer really difficult. Yes. I don't find it difficult it's I haven't had that role with them. So if there was just me in the business or just him, if he had any sense, he would get someone else to do that. So it doesn't have to be you. If you find it really difficult to chase your clients for money, outsource it definitely
0: we you can outsource it and even I've had it work effectively for people where they've got a separate email address that they send stuff from so it doesn't look like it's coming from them and actually it does help them to feel less
1: personal yeah and it's, it's not personal it's a B2B transaction I mean I always offer, I, I used to work a lot in the restaurant and hospitality sector. Don't do it anymore, by the way, because they're notoriously bad payers. And I used to say to them when they owed me money, I'm coming to your restaurant tonight and I'm going to order dinner for Tim, champagne and everything. But when it comes time to pay, I'm going to turn checks in the post. And when they go, when's it in the post? The I I don't know. you will have to ask my bookkeeper. Yeah. You'd have me arrested, wouldn't you? Yeah. You wouldn't let me leave.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: So why are you doing this to me? And they go, What are you talking about? And I go, Well, you owe me £400. Pounds. And when every time I ask for it, you go, Well, you know, it'll get paid sometime. I think that bigger businesses are, are, are often blind to the effect this is having. And the reason for that is the employees of bigger businesses get paid every month, whether they pay you on time or not. Yeah. Right? They don't understand. I mean, I've gone to people and gone, I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage this month if you don't pay this check today. And they've gone, Well, well why would that be? And I go, because that's 80% of my income for in the month. Mm. By the way, I've, I've, I've been bitten hard by that. I would always say I would never let a client now be more than my 30% of my revenue. Because yeah. assuming I'm 30% profitable, it means if they dump me, I'll go back to break even. I think that's really
0: insensible, because there are a lot, and again, I'm sure there's people listening to this, that have, you know, what they prefer to have one or two... Clients, big clients, and suddenly when notice is given, it's 50% more income
1: gone? I would find that really frightening. I've deliberately structured my business over the years to avoid that because I have been there. Yes. You know, and so I, I work out roughly, by the way, percentage of profit includes me getting paid. Do you see what I mean? I don't go and then I make a profit, and if there's anything left, I get paid. So I work out what do I need to get paid? what percentage is that over my overheads and that's my profit i don't mean i don't need to get paid and we'll call that profit so i try not to let a client be worth more as a percentage of my revenue than they than my profit margin so the worst anyone can do is to put me back to break even having when break even for me means being paid my basic if not everything i'd like to earn because that means i'm still the boss Anything short of that in my mind means I've got a job. Because if you can't afford to say no to a client, you are not the boss. it takes a long time to get there. Most of us started, I mean, I started my business with one massive client who ran me around all over the country for five years. But what I did was make a positive decision to get lots of other little ones. And the little ones and i don't mean this in any disrespectful way led us to coffee clutch because in the legal world a 45 quick contract a lawyer wouldn't get out of bed to sell you you know it is little in my world i know for a lot of va's just starting out it's like, oh my gosh that's a lot of money blah 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 but in the legal world something that really works for your industry at that price is like people think i'm oh, mad they think i should be selling that with a zero on it so we deliberately cultivated lots of little clients because we love you all but if one of you sacks us 45 quid is not going to make or break whether we're in business next month and that's a great place to be you know but it did take me 39 years and take me 39 minutes
0: talk about it again for um, ages and ages but having multiple revenue streams in your business is essential.
1: yeah I think you've got to do one revenue stream of what you love which isn't always what's profitable but if you don't do anything you love you become mean and that's not a nice way to live your life you know you to present your business as well. yeah and then, then people know and you know that's horrible too so you've got to do something that you love but you have to accept sometimes that what you're mad about doesn't always pay the rent so you have to give it a quota you you have to do stuff that really does pay the rent and that might be at the moment that big client that may or may not drive you crazy but you notice pay the rent because if they're not paying you either they are not paying them in and you have to do some stuff that you've not done before to find out whether you can make money out of that because i guarantee you what you're making a lot of money out of today you would not be making money out of in five years time and I know that because 39 years in, we've had a lot of five-year cycles. And I've had to completely me them what we do, how we do it, who we sell it to, every five years regular as clockwork. Lots of VAs are really worried about other VAs competing with them. I know you're a very collaborative industry, but also, you know. But I think you should be your most efficient competition. You should be developing the products and the services that not the ones you're doing today into a cop track. Because if you don't do it, someone else will. And then you won't have the money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we are a collective industry. but As you say, we just need to be thinking ahead. I think sometimes that's where VAs can fall down as well, is being so busy and doing what we do for busy clients that they
1: It can be really difficult because if you come out of a corporate environment what the corporate strategy was for the next five years generally speaking was nothing to do with you mm-hmm. right yeah, a bit meaningless a Bit they give you a document you thought hope oh, um and if you were dutiful you read it and if you weren't you got shoved in a drawer somewhere all of a sudden not only have you got a service clients who are maniacs we've all been there but you've got to create and deliver a strategy or just drift about like a cork in a bottle and corks in a bottle will float on a rising tide but when the tide recedes and all business cycles are cyclical the corks that only know how to float on a tide can't navigate to another place where there's high water and we see this a lot with small businesses you know you get going in a in a bull market um it's all lovely there's plenty of work and then the marketplace tightens now where are you it was really easy because you had two big clients but one of them's just gone bust it take how long does it take to develop a revenue stream from scratch as a VA yeah well
0: yeah a long time I think this is why I'm always encouraging people that do that. I'm at capacity, I don't need to market, I don't need to market.
1: Oh, yes, you do. Keep
0: that going because you, you might have that client you've had for five, six, seven years, but you can never tell when they will give notice, and most people are only on there today's notice.
1: If you only market when you're not at capacity, it's like only credit controlling when you've got enough money in the bank. You create the most massive swings and troughs in your business of too much work, not enough work, not enough money. And it's really, really hard, but the secret to success is to be a bit contraintuitive, right? Your most effective marketing is when you're already too busy. Because you can put your prices up. And equally your most effective credit control is when you've got plenty of money in the bank. Because if the client goes, Well, if you want to be paid, I'm leaving, you can afford it. Yeah. If you've got no business, no pipeline and no money in the bank, and a client says to you, Well, I'm gonna hang on to your money for six weeks. If you don't like it, you can lump it. You've got very little choice but to lump it unless you can live on your pride so i practice this and preach this for decades and i always say observe the masses and do the opposite most people when they've got too much work mm-hmm. stop marketing most people when they've got enough money in the bank stop chasing their money down but the best time to sell and particularly high margin stuff is when you've got plenty of business and the best time to credit control is when you've got money in the bank
0: and from a softer skills point of view, so when I, you know me, I love all the yellow cuddly stuff.
1: Oh, no, no. I'm thinking
0: about the, <laughs> the emotional stuff. When you have um, money in the bank and when you have clients that are paying you, that's when you feel at your best. So when you market at that point of time, you are confident. Yeah. You're not in a place of desperation.
1: And even if you, you are at capacity, do a test market of 120% of your normal mate. Because if it comes in, you might think, well, I can either outsource some of my lower-end clients or put my mates out, you know? Yeah. And if it doesn't, you don't mind because you're already at capacity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. It does frustrate me.
1: Now, I learned this from, from a judge who was once a QC, as judges off and on. and at the bar, I don't know if you know this, but they have what they call the taxi bank rule. If a lawyer says, I need you for this case, and you're free, you're technically obliged to say, yes, I'll do it. Oh, really? Yeah, so what they used to do, as everybody would, was if they had a case that they really didn't like the look of, they put their fees up. So he, he had a businessman who's long since dead and shan't be named anyway, that he really despised. His reputation was awful. He was really shonky. And um, his, he had lots of cases in court and they came to him and they said, how much would your fee be? And his normal fee, and I'm going back now to the 60s, was £500 a case. So he said to them, well... It'll be 5,000 pounds and they booked him. Then he was on the horns of a dilemma because he was making an awful lot of money from someone he didn't like.
0: (laughs) But the money must sweeten the deal slightly.
1: It did and it gave him an opportunity to develop a speciality he did like because instead of doing 20 days a month for 500 pounds a day, he did two days a month for 5,000 pounds a day. And that allowed him to rehone his skills to go into an area of law that he really adored and later became very successful in. Mm. Mm, absolutely. But he was at capacity at 500 quid a day and basically unable to afford taxi cabs when it rained.
0: Oh, goodness. Something has to be that trigger that moves things forward, though.
1: Yeah, so I think if you're at capacity, I'd like to challenge you and say, is that because you're too cheap? I mean, obviously, you're temporarily at capacity this week, this month. That's because you're booked, you know. But if you're consistently at capacity, uh, are you two-team?
0: Yes. And, I, and actually, I do find that some of the VAs that are charging towards the London market do get quite quickly booked up, and then they have to think about what they do.
1: Well, obviously, if I could find someone who's absolutely brilliant for 15 quid an hour, not stupid, of course I'd book them. Who wouldn't? But they can't make a living at that, so I firmly expect them to not be in business 18 months later or to have put their rates up. Yeah,
0: plus the insanity of trying to juggle too many clients.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well it it actually can give the VA industry a bad name. I mean, before I worked with VAs, um, I did a lot of research about why people work with VAs and why they didn't, and the biggest don't was they promise and then they don't deliver. Mm. And then I found out the rates they were paying and I went, my dog wouldn't deliver for that low.
0: Well, I think if you've got people running businesses well, that don't really treat their businesses like their businesses, and haven't got that sort of, um, yeah, that that ethos, then I think people do end up skipping out on contracts or, you know, going quiet. It's not unheard of. And as you say, we know it's something I'm, I'm passionate about fighting to try and make the, the VA industry, both from the inside and the outside, to be viewed as the professionals that they are then it but we
1: it needs to start with us we have to treat our businesses that way and i think a lot of vas do i think the thing is we don't hear a lot about the ones that do i mean you're quietly coaching them and they do and you know they don't make headline news what i hear about is is where it goes wrong um and so inevitably you hear some great tales of woe and you think my goodness who, who how on earth did they get there but nearly always it's they don't have terms of business or they do and they're not actually trying to make the customers follow them or even they themselves don't follow them. Um, and that comes from corporate life where they gave you lots of stuff to read and you just put it in a drawer, didn't you? More often than not. I heard, I saw a witch survey, not to embarrass anyone personally, that's, and this was about five years ago now, and it said 40% of employees had never even read the first three lines of their contract of employment. Is so shocking. well let's face it they're not a laugh a minute are they <laughs> no no they're not bedtime reading but i think
0: again, if you're signing up to something you need to
1: know what's in it well but that's the attitude so obviously if you take that attitude into your boss life without adjusting it that's where you are isn't it so it's 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 a difficult transition but i think that it's really important that women earn properly and I think that the equal pay bathroom in the workplace is one thing, but the fact remains that the average female self-employed person earns 20% less than the average male self-employed person. Now, you're the boss, so you're going to sue yourself for equal pay. But you kind of should really, but at least be on the winning side of the argument for sure, wouldn't you, one way or the other. But there's a reason for that. And I'm not suggesting that all underpayment of women is self-inflicted, but we go into it wanting to please. We often go into niches that never generate serious money. So we don't do our research, you know, and then we just we're so happy that we've got stuff to do. We don't look at the numbers. We don't like to talk about money. We'd rather talk about STDs than money, frankly. You know, because it's not nice, is it? Nice girls don't. And and we underperform financially. We don't underperform work-wise. No. We, we can do all the work. We can take all the responsibility do all the hours. It's the cash that we don't get. And I'm not blaming women for women not being paid enough. But I'm saying the bits that we contribute to as bosses, we need to take care of. Yeah. absolutely. And that means understanding that it's perfectly legitimate to make money from what you do and not just make enough money to pay the rent or stop yourself going barefoot but money to have a comfortable life and there's nothing nasty about charging people a fair rate for the job and fair doesn't mean cheap not necessarily if the quality's there and you're getting the turnaround times and people are getting what they want And I think it's it's frightening how many women go into self employment without taking any of that on board. Yeah, Yeah,
0: there needs to be a complete shift in how they're thinking about how we're thinking
1: about it. Yeah. And that goes out to VA hiring again, you know, which is the other end of it. I mean you and I both know that every VA should have at least one associate. For resilience, for cover for overflow and also to stop being treated as an employee and there's a whole podcast webinar seminar money in that that we're going to have to deal with by next april but once you got yourself one we get back to the friends and family thing you know oh, i'm in the same group as her and she seems so sweet and blah 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 and i was talking to someone the other day in a freelance group this was web designers but it's often vas you know saying i paid an associate for some work eight weeks ago and i've never seen any of it when is it polite to chase so they paid him up fun and they haven't seen anything and their concern is when is it polite to chase and i'm like well what did you put when you booked him on when you wanted to see the draft by and when it was and they said well we didn't talk about that oh my goodness so i don't know if the person they paid thought they were being given money this year to do something next year i really don't know i don't know if the person they paid is waiting for something that's prevented them from getting started as we all know happens you know because the the person who's outsourcing or subcontracting hasn't had that conversation because they don't upset anyone.
0: Well, as you say, a lot of this is, is just, it comes down to that lack of communication, whether that's through top, lack of time or a fear around talking about what's needed. If you talk about it and it's set out, then there should be no own...
1: And that's where I love to hire agreements. And you know I use my VA hiring agreements when I hire my own VAs because contracts are conversations they're just conversations have already had enough times to know what the dialogue needs to be and by having to fill in the contracts again and go what's the deadline what are the quality standards what do we need is this gdpr relevant or not what have we set up for data security forces me over and over and over again to have that bit of the conversation with myself as much as with the va i'm hiring it's a reminder to myself have have i set this up properly do i know what i'm doing and the reason why sometimes we don't have a conversation with someone else is we kind of know we didn't have it with ourselves in the first place i mean how can you chase a client for late payment if you never told them what your payment terms were
0: well this is it absolutely needs to be set out so that when you need to talk about it
1: there's there is prior knowledge of that it's been it's yeah been part of the now we've all got clients you can't remember when it's time to pay us right or we've all had a few do you know what i mean i'll try not to keep them that long i find clients with payment alzheimer's tend to go you know because I don't want to chase them 800 times for every penny I get you know there's a kind of point of diminishing returns but you can develop business models for that which go into your terms don't they you can say you were on prepay but then of course it doesn't work if you let them run on beyond prepay and you do a lot of stuff for them when you say to a client you're on prepay only you're saying to yourself that clients on prepay only Yeah, absolutely. and that sometimes is the most important part of the dialogue is what what you're telling yourself about that. So I'm not really sure that I want Coffee Clutch to be known as a brand for people who talk to themselves.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, if it fits.
1: But I think it's a platform, it's a structure for self-dialogue that is part of that setting boundaries. Which
0: is essential
1: when you're running a successful business. No, I don't know if you... I mean, I, I grew up in quite a tough area and a long time before you when it came to child discipline but i can remember a woman down the street who put the fear of what's it into all of us because when we walked past and these days it would be criminal assault she used to run out and slap the back of your leg, and you'd go what was that for and she'd go that's for nothing now be careful but we were always careful of that woman mm. and i think that there is something in when a client does something that's not inside your terms early on, you don't have to go out and smack them and be the lunatic woman in the street, you know. But actually saying to them, "You do know that's not how we operate," is is a warning, isn't it? Of after this, it gets more uh, intense. just like with the kids when you say you go to bed in five minutes in five minutes you have to take them to bed even if they can't tell the time because it's amazing how quickly kids learn to tell the time and it's amazing how slowly clients learn when it's time to pay you so if you're indulging them it's only getting worse isn't it it is. I've had clients go under a bus I've had clients who genuinely had reasons not to pay us and we're not horrible people if that's the case we talk to them but our deal has always been you need to tell us you, you we do not chase you down for six months to find out what happened
0: mm. again back to that communication isn't it that two-way communication if you can't pay or you don't want to pay or you've got a problem then get hold of it to... yeah exactly
1: because that means you respect us and you understand what the deal is If you just ignore me it means you don't care and some people have gone well how would you think i don't care if i ignore you and i'm like really you're not a woman are you
0: (laughs) what kind of message were you trying to send yes yeah
1: was this you know i mean normally i don't care Is i've just dumped you but i can't even be bothered to send you a text isn't it
0: yeah absolutely
1: so if this is not the message you're wanting to send me you need to start sending some more useful messages but obviously they don't want to communicate about negative things either and I'm sorry I've run out of cash is a really difficult conversation. Oh
0: yeah there's nothing that there. If you understand that they're going to be feeling icky about it, but the point is, there needs, there needs to be that communication. So you've got a chance of something.
1: some do, some don't. I had a brilliant case a few years ago with um, somebody, um, one of my PR clients, billed someone who didn't pay, and they said, Oh, I'm totally sorry, business spam, we haven't got any money. And she was really understanding about it till so she saw photographs a week later of them all on a skiing holiday. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Yeah. And she was like, You know, I was with you all the way. on on that but actually my money paid for your skiing holiday and she never got it and she never got it because they'd already spent it on the holiday and couldn't get it back but if she chased it earlier i know they'd have said oh we'll have to cancel our holiday but the correct answer to that is i'm terribly sorry about you need to pay your bills and then have a holiday
0: yeah i'm not the person that gets paid last after you've done all of the other stuff that you want to do in your life absolutely look Annabelle I know that we could talk for absolutely ages and ages and ages but I'm kind of conscious of the time so um, thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to talk to us about this um, I think there's so much in here I'm definitely getting you back in to talk about associates and getting people to pay on time and all the rest of it because I know we haven't even scratched the surface of that but um, yeah hopefully you've enjoyed chatting to the guys hopefully the guys listening to this have enjoyed chatting or hearing from you and um, we'll get you back on soon to talk about some other stuff,
1: Johnny. Good. We well, hope it'll be quieter on our next one. But um, I'm ah. sorry about this. It just happened to be.
0: go past with traffic.
1: I <laughs> know all the time. You know, it's so irritating. But we'll find somewhere quieter, maybe, Absolutely. or cooler. Absolutely.
0: Or cooler, exactly. Somewhere you don't have to
1: have the window open.
0: Brilliant. Well, look. Thanks very much. And if the guys want to get in touch with you, where can they?
1: Where's the best place to find you? Uh, Coffee Clutch on Facebook probably is the easiest way. Um, if you're already a customer, into the customer group. I've got a Twitter account which mysteriously isn't working at the moment. Don't you just love Twitter? I think I've complained too much about certain politicians. But I'll <laughs> be back. A <laughs> <laughs> long last, yeah, it's really funny. But um, I'll be back. And of course, I've not been in the least bit rude or disrespectful. But what I have been is, in my usual fashion, cuttingly honest.
0: And that's why we love you.
1: Thank you, darling. So, speak soon, and I look forward to hearing some of these podcasts. Absolutely.
0: Well, speak soon. Take care.
1: Bye. Bye.